Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here today. And Lord, we thank you for just this great country that we have that you have given us. And Lord, we just pray that you'll just bless uh, bless our country. But, but Lord, we pray for our president and just pray that you'll be with him and the decisions that have to be made. And we just pray that he seeks you in the decisions that need to be made. And we also, along with him, we pray for the vice president and all the Congress and senators and representatives and all the ones that are leaders of our country. We just lift them up to you today. And Lord, we <clears throat> lift up our community to you. We pray for uh, the Kersey area and Greeley and Gill and all the surrounding ones. We just pray that your hand be upon these communities and just pray that we can spread the good news of the gospel to the people around us. And Lord, right now, uh, we do know that there are some that need a special touch. We just lift up Kevin to you, Kevin Billings, and and just pray that your healing hand be upon him as they, uh, they as he's in the hospital and doing some testing, and, and we just pray that you'll just be with him and, and also for Diana, and maybe there's others that are going through some health issues. We just lift them up to you as well. Lord, we uh, thank you for the many answers to prayer and, and just this day today that we have come together to praise you. And Lord, right now, we just ask that your word uh, just sinks into our lives and that we can apply it in our daily living. In this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your uh, Bibles and you turn to James chapter 1, we're, we're starting, we're, this will be the third one on James, and we're not moving real fast through the book of James, but I figure what's the hurry, right? Uh, so we're talking about how to, and so today it's going to be how to win over temptation, but in uh, verses 12 through 18 of James chapter 1, it says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And um, this is probably man's oldest problem is temptation goes all the way back to Genesis 1. And eventually, all of us face temptation. Uh, sometimes when you know what's right, what it's right to do, it's really difficult sometimes to say no to temptation. We get into this, uh, this game kind of thing. Oscar Wilde once said, I can withstand anything except temptation. The only way to get rid of temptation is to give in to it. That's not true. But the Bible talks about two different kinds of testing. One is called trials, and the other one is called temptation. Both of them use the Greek word, and I'm not going to read it to you because we wouldn't understand it, and I wouldn't say it right anyway. But sometimes it's translated trials, sometimes it's translated temptations. And it really doesn't matter because sometimes a situation can be both a trial and a temptation at the same time. But to distinguish terminology, trials are, trials are situations designed by God in order to help us grow. 
Temptations are designed by Satan that tries to cause us to sin. So there's kind of a difference. So verse 12, it says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So there's a prize. There's a reward for enduring temptation. So first it says blessed or happy. Happiness comes from having your life under control. In a sense, so there's no bad habit that is devastating you. Because when you say no to temptation, it produces happiness in your life. Now it also talks about having a crown of life in that passage. And that literally means life itself. So James says that when you understand temptation, when you're able to overcome temptation, when you learn to say no to temptation, then you really begin to live. It's a crown which is life, and it's abundant life. And the question is, how? How do I handle temptation? How do I say no when I want to say yes? Well, James being that uh, practical apostle, he gives us a lot of answers to that. And uh, if I gave you the simple answer, then we'd get out early. And we don't want to do that, right? So I've got a lot of points today. And we haven't even started. So how to handle, handle temptation is, first of all, you've got to be realistic. You've got to face the fact you are going to be tempted. Do you realize that even Christians, we get tempted? But it says in our passage, when tempted. It doesn't say if you're tempted. It says when you are tempted. It's just like trials and temptations, they are going to come into your life. Have you ever met somebody that says, well, I just want to thank the Lord that I, I haven't been tempted in 42 years? What would you say to them? It's kind of the same as if you cross a, a crocodile with an abalone. What do you get? A crocobaloney, right? Everybody's tempted. You're tempted. I'm tempted. Every day we're tempted. You never get too old for it. And you never overcome temptation by becoming too spiritual. Everybody's tempted. And it seems like the more that you grow towards the Lord, the more you're going to be tempted. It's fact of life. Now, we all have sometimes the same struggles. Sometimes we have the same problems. And what you need to realize is that it's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to temptation. That's where the problem comes in. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus was perfect. He was tempted, but he never gave in to it. 
So it's not a sin to be tempted. And like I mentioned before, the more you are, the more committed you are to the Lord, the more you're probably going to face temptation. So be realistic about it. The next thing you need to do is you've got to be responsible. You've got to act responsibly. Now, how do you like that? Don't blame other people for your problems. The problem is we like to blame other people. We like to even blame God many times for our problems. But if you look at verse 13, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. So God doesn't tempt, but we tend to blame. Will Rogers said, he says you could summarize American history into two great movements. The passing of the buffalo and the passing of the buck. And I think that's true. We tend to live in a society today that is really irresponsible. People will blame everything and everyone else but themselves. So don't make bad choices and then blame them on God. Because you made the choice. God does not tempt. God does not contradict His Word. So be responsible. See how... Uh, just practical we are today. Be realistic, be responsible, and then be ready. When temptation comes, you've got to be ready. You've got to be prepared for it. Peter says, be on your guard. Jesus said, watch and pray that you don't enter into temptation. The Apostle Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God. So we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. It says, each one is tempted... When by his own evil desires he is dragged away and enticed. He says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers. If you have that in your Bible, circle that or highlight it or something. Don't be deceived. You see, we need to be ready and we need to be prepared for temptation. The hard part is temptation doesn't warn you in advance. It doesn't say, okay, in two hours from now, a temptation is going to come your way. One of the reasons it's a temptation is because you don't even know it's there sometimes. It catches you by surprise. So you've got to be ready. You've got to be on your guard. Now what's kind of interesting is sometimes we are the most vulnerable to temptation after a success. Because we think we're doing okay. But then the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, he says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Have you ever heard of Bobby Leach? Anybody heard of him? I hadn't either. But now I know who he is. Anyway, he went over Niagara Falls in a barrel. Bringing back some memories now. And he came out unharmed. A couple days later, he slipped on an orange peel and broke his leg. Sometimes it's those little things in life that get to us. So James is saying, be ready. Don't be deceived. 
So, so the question comes up, how do you prepare for temptation? How do you get ready for it? Well, I think we get ready for it by trying to understand how temptation operates. In 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says, In order that Satan might not outwit us, we are not unaware of his schemes. God wants us to know how Satan operates. He wants us to know how he tempts us. And really, that's probably about the only thing good that you could say about Satan is that he's consistent in tempting us. But he's been using the same old tricks since the creation of the world, basically, since sin sin entered the world. And so it's really easy for us to understand the process that Satan uses. Temptation is a process, and it's not just a one-time act. So James, in this passage, starting with verse 14, he outlines the four steps that Satan uses in order to tempt us. So verse 14 says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. So the first step that we see in this passage is there's a desire. It's an inside job. Now, there's a lot of desires that are okay. Have a desire to eat food. That's an okay desire. If you're thirsty, you have a desire to drink some water. That's good. You know? You have a desire to sleep. That's an okay desire, unless it's during the sermon. It's not quite as good. Most desires are okay. We couldn't live without desires. God gives us these desires. They're good desires, they're good gifts. But when they become out of control, that's when they become destructive. So Satan loves to take the routine, take our routine desires, and he likes to turn them into runaway desires. He wants us to be consumed by them. He wants us to be obsessed by them. And legitimate desires, when they are out of control, they become a problem. So it starts with desire. Then it goes to deception. In the scripture it says he is dragged away and enticed. And so James uses a a couple of terms. Hunting and fishing. And the word dragged away is a hunter's term which literally means snared in a trap. Enticed is a fisherman's term, which means lured by bait. And so, how many of you are good fishermen? (laughs) How many are fishermen? How many saw it on TV once? They, They say the secret of great fishing is in the bait. Is that true? (laughs) the right kind of bait for the right kind of fish. And the crazy thing is, often we see the hook. And we know that it's temptation, but we keep on nibbling. So temptation always starts with desire. Then Satan moves on to deception because temptation always looks better than it actually is. (laughs) 
Desire turns to deception. And then, the next one, it turns to disobedience. Then after desire has conceived, it says, it gives birth to sin. You see, what begins in your mind results in action. A lot of times it starts with your imagination. The battle starts with your thoughts. And then it moves into actions. The Bible says that when we, when it, what starts in your mind eventually comes out in your lifestyle. So desire leads to deception. Deception leads to disobedience. Disobedience leads to death. Sin, it says, when full grown, gives birth to death. That's the tragic consequence of giving in. That's what losing the battle looks like. It has devastating results. So what is death? Death is, and I'll give you a really profound definition, it's the opposite of living. I spent a long time on that. It says in our scripture in James, I didn't hear that. <laughs> it's taken me 15 minutes to get to that part, right? <laughs> so where are we at? <laughs> now in our passage of Scripture in James, it says, if you overcome temptation, you receive the crown of life. It also says later on in, in Scripture, it says, for the wages of sin is death. Separation from God. That's what it's talking about. Spiritual separation from God. James says, you're free to choose how you want to live. Okay? You've got some freedoms there. But I'm not free to choose the consequences of the choices. So in order to overcome temptation, in order to break a bad habit, I first have to be realistic about it, and I have to admit that I've got a problem. And then I've got to be responsible for that and not blame anybody else, and I need to quit making excuses, and then I need to get ready by understanding what happens during temptation so I can learn how to avoid it the next time. So if you go over to verse 17, James switches gears. He starts talking about the goodness of God right in the middle of this passage. It's almost like James kind of forgot what he was talking about. At first, he says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So he's talking about temptation, and then all of, he, all of a sudden he directs all of our thoughts to the goodness of God. And you're sitting there going, that's interesting. First he's talking about something negative, and then he's talking about something positive. It's like he's refocusing our attention on something else. So why? It's because of the next step in overcoming temptation. Do you remember the be real, be responsible, be ready kind of thing? You thought we were done with that, didn't you? We've got to become refocused. If temptation begins with our inner thoughts, then changing what we think about is one of the keys into changing and overcoming it. 
It's the principle of replacement. And it's one of the keys in overcoming temptation. Do you realize the key to overcoming temptation is not to fight the temptation? It's to refocus your thoughts. Change your attention. Put your attention on something else. Instead of looking at what you're being tempted by, refocus. Look somewhere else. Philippians 4.8 says, think of these things. It says, think of those things that are great and good and positive and just and honest. And, and it goes through a whole list of these things. It says, focus your mind on the goodness of God. And why? Because the more that you fight a feeling, the more it gonna, it's going to grab you. So don't focus on what you don't want. Focus on what you do want. Turn your, turn your attention. Be refocused. Get your eyes off the negative and get your eyes on the goodness of God. This is the day that the Lord has made. What about it? Well, rejoice and be glad in it. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will be continually be on my lips. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Get into God's Word and refocus. Quit fighting the feeling. It's kind of like if you don't want to get stung by the bees, stay away from the bees. You know? Just thought of something. It all starts with B, huh? Never mind. Um, <laughs> be reborn. The single most important principle of breaking bad habits and getting control of your life is to let God control your life. Get Him in your life so that He can begin changing your character. As we have a relationship with Christ, He gives us a, a, a new capacity to resist temptation. We all need Jesus in our lives. That's what it means to be reborn or be a Christian or be a believer. It means we have Jesus in our heart and life. It means He's given us a fresh start on life. So ask Christ into your life. Ask Him to make the changes that you need to give you the power you need to do what is right in all situations. You will not be able to say no to temptation until you first can say yes to God. Because you need His power in your life. So ask Christ to come into your life and give you the power. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Isn't that a great promise? That's a wonderful verse. God never puts more on you. He never allows more on you than He puts you in to bear up. And some of you are thinking, man, I must be a lot stronger than I thought I was because I just have a lot of things going on in my life right now. But a time to deal with temptation is right at the start. When it starts in the desire stage, Nip it in the bud. I love this quote from Martin Luther. He said, We cannot keep the birds from flying over us, 
but we can keep them from making a nest in our hair. Think about that. Now I want to give you two resources that will help you in the whole temptation thing. Fellowship with other Christians and God's Word. I'm a firm believer that if you don't have fellowship with other Christian people, you're going to struggle in a lot of battles in your life. Because we were not meant to battle this stuff out by ourselves. So get involved with Christian people. Get involved in Bible study, small groups, or whatever it can be. We got Sunday school at nine, we got classes there, we got women's Bible studies, we got men's Bible studies. Be around Christian people. Don't be by yourself in this whole thing. And the other one is get into God's Word. The Bible is our weapon against temptation because it's the truth. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if you want to be free from a bad habit, fill your mind with the things of God. It's a pretty simple antidote. We can overcome temptation if we put God first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time together. And even now as we get ready to, to share around your table, Lord, you know what's going on in each one of our hearts and each one of our lives. And, and Lord, when it comes to this topic of temptation, Lord, I just pray that we will be a people that's ready for it and that we won't succumb to it, but we will withstand it all because of you. And so, Lord, I just pray that, first of all, if there's anyone here that does not know you, I just pray right where they're sitting, they'll ask you into their heart and life. And, Lord, maybe there's others that are struggling right now, right in this, in this topic. Maybe there's something they're being tempted with. And, Lord, I just pray that you'll deal with them right now and let them refocus and think about the good things of you, the good things of your word. And, Lord, just surround them with the Christian people that they need. But Lord, we thank you so much that your word is powerful. We thank you so much that you love each one of us. And Lord, I thank you that we can withstand anything the world throws at us, not because of ourselves, but only because of you. So Lord, again, we just thank you for this time and just pray that we continue in our worship. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen.